As uh, we take care of your business, you get involved in ours. And we're just so grateful for it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. You may receive the tithes and offerings. Let's go to the Bible now. Go to the Galatians, the fifth chapter, if you would. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Of course, we're studying about the fruit of the, the Spirit. And uh, remember, in Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Boy, that's a lot of stuff there, isn't it? And then he says, and the what? And the, the like. So there's other things that he didn't include in this list. There's one thing that I, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to mention here that isn't in this list, but it's part of and the like, and it's self-pity. Did you know self-pity is a work of the flesh? I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced of it. Woe is me. Has anybody ever felt that? Woe is me. I just... All this stuff happens to me and it doesn't ever happen to anybody else. God just doesn't love me as much as he loves other people. I don't count. I'm not important. Nobody cares. I wonder if God cares. You know, that's just as ugly as adultery and fornication and See, see, we need to realize that there's things in this list. I mean, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, that, that's some bad stuff, isn't it? But there's stuff we don't ever think about, like, like, like gluttony, you know? That's a bad thing, isn't it? And I've already watched people, you know... 250 pounds overweight, eating their cheeseburgers, putting down the fornicator. <laughs> you think about that sometimes. It's very easy to become judgmental, isn't it? And look at, be able to see everybody else's sin and you can't see your own. Actually, uh, frankly, uh, I just, after we get done with the works of the, uh, I'm sorry, after we get done with the fruit of the Spirit, I had it on my heart to talk about the 12 disciples, and we're going to get to that. But, you know, there's times when God directs you, and then there's times you just, something feels good in your heart. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When, when, and, and, and so the Lord directed me to do this fruit of the Spirit, and then after that it seemed like, just seemed good in my heart to talk about um, the 12 disciples. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But the Lord directed, <laughs> he directed me. It's all right if he interrupts. Is, is, is that all right? You understand? It's okay. And, and after I finish with this, over the next several weeks, we'll get through the fruit of the Spirit. I'm supposed to talk about the Pharisees. The Pharisees. Religious people. Ugly people. I don't mean physically ugly, necessarily. Spiritually ugly. Did you know that, that, that church-going people are some of the most spiritually ugly people that you'll ever run into? Spirit-filled, tongue-talking people. 
that have been around the things of God for years and years and years and years, and they become some of the most spiritually despicable, ugly people that you will ever find. Somebody there with a withered hand, withered arm, and they get healed and they grumble and complain because it was done on the wrong day. Oh, we don't want those people. We don't want those people. We've got our little group here. We don't want anybody else to come and intrude on our on our little social church club. That's a Pharisaical thing. Pharisees are some of the most. I mean, they're the ones that gave Jesus and the Apostle Paul some of the worst trouble. The most, the most, far more than, they're, they're far more despicable than the sinners. The sinners never really gave Paul or Jesus all that much trouble, really. It was a religious crowd. Did you hear me? Yes. And, and the thing about the Pharisees is, is they can be confronted with, I, I've been doing this 25 years, I've been watching this, and longer than that. And, and they, religious people, people that are born, they're really born again and spirit-filled. They come to church. They can be confronted with their, their, their own sin. And they'll sit there, and while they're shaking their head, they're thinking about, yeah, that's so-and-so. They needed to hear that. They needed to hear that. They needed to hear that. Did you hear me? And they never do turn the high-powered perception of the Word of God on themselves. I'm going to tell you, church-going people are some of the most spiritually despicable people that you'll find in the nation because they become like the Pharisees. And so I'm going to teach on it. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about any of us throughout the land. Can can you say amen? Maybe you can't say amen because you don't know, but I've dealt with this stuff over many, 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 many years. And in other churches, other places, dealing with other pastors and things, and I've seen it across the board. So that's why I'm going to teach on the Pharisees so that we don't let a Pharisaical spirit settle in on us, which it has done at times. We don't want that nasty spirit on us, do we? Do we? And it can get on, and, and it can get on any of us. Did you hear me? I said it can get on any of us. And so that's why I believe the Holy Ghost wants me to talk about the Pharisees. We'll get to it. But anyway, self-pity. Self-pity. You know, folks will sit at home in self-pity and not come to church because they don't think anybody loves them or cares about them. And they'll sit at home and wallow in the self-pity. And uh, they've got a whole church full of people that would love them and care for them. Did you know self-pity is ugly? It's an ugly thing. And did you know your flesh, these are works of the flesh. Do you know one of the things your flesh loves more than anything else is to feel sorry for itself? Did you hear me? So let's, let's, let's not yield to the works of the flesh. And then he says, I tell you beforehand in verse 21, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's sobering, isn't it? 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So we're taking these one at a time. Love, joy, of course, today will be peace. We'll talk about peace. But before we say some things about that, Jesus is looking for us to produce fruit. He's looking for us to produce fruit. And um, he's looking for us to produce fruit. And the two kinds of fruit that you'll find are souls. That's the most important fruit, souls. And if we're not telling people about the Lord, Jesus sees us as unproductive. If we're not telling people about the Lord, Jesus sees us as unproductive. And then also, too, then, the second type of fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? And uh, remember that the, all the fruit of the Spirit gets deposited into your spirit when you get born again. So we're actually talking about the fruit of the reborn human spirit that's deposited there by the Holy Spirit. You see, it's His fruit. And remember, to the degree the fruit of the Spirit develops in our lives, to that degree we will overcome the works of the flesh. Remember that. To the degree the fruit of the Spirit develops in our lives, to that degree we will overcome the works of the flesh. And that's proved in Galatians 5 verse 16, because he says there, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So the only way... To successfully overcome the lusts of the flesh, it is not through willpower. You can only overcome. You can only overcome uh, the. Uh, you can only overcome the works of the flesh temporarily with willpower. Did you hear me? The only way you can overcome the works of the flesh is through. Developing the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? I want to say that again. I want you to get it. You can only overcome the works of the flesh temporarily with willpower. But to overcome the works of the flesh on an ongoing lifestyle is to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Did you get that? Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? Now... There's things we can do and must do to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't just grow automatically. And it has, just like fruit out in the field, you know, trees and whatnot, they have to be watered. They have to be dealt with. They have to be pruned and so forth. We talked about that in the introductory session. So there's things you must do to keep your fruit full and juicy. How many likes to be juicy? You, you get a piece of fruit... You know, you like it to be juicy. And Diane and I, sometimes we'll have grapefruit in the morning. And, you know, before she cuts it, what do we often say? Boy, I hope this is going to taste good. The one we had last week sure was good. I hope this is as good as that. Or, or the one we had last time was bitter, you know. Hope this one's better. Better to be bitter than better. Or better than, or whatever. <laughs> Has anybody ever done that? Or before you, or before you slice into the watermelon... You just hope that when it, when you when the knife goes in, that it's going to be sweet. And how many of you you've ever taken that first bite and you say, "Ooh, that wasn't quite as good as the last one." 
Or you say, boy, this was a whole lot better than the last one. Well, we want to be good fruit. We want to have good fruit. We want to be juicy fruit, you know, juicy fruit. (laughs) Juicy fruit. Oh, by the way, I, I just say this. Do you know that, that we, need to be, we need to be juicy, don't we? Juicy fruit, juicy. That'll, I could make that as a good, uh, a good uh, Facebook commercial, juicy fruit. But anyway, we all want to be juicy fruit. We want to have full of juice. Did you know that the affairs of life and people can flat drain the juice right out of you? Have you ever, have you ever had that happen? The affairs of life, the circumstances of life, and people, people. I remember H.B. London. Did everybody ever hear of H.B. London? He was uh, James Dobson's. Ever hear of James Dobson? He was James Dobson's, one of his chief assistants. Wonderful man. And uh, I went to one of his uh, meetings one time, and he started talking about the joy suckers. Joy suckers. What are you talking about? He said, people that'll suck the joy right out of you. Have you ever had people just suck joy? They just suck the joy right out of you. Have you ever been? Now let's turn the, turn the table. Put that high-powered perception on ourselves. Have you ever been a joy sucker? Have you ever sucked the joy out of somebody else? They were so excited about something. They were so, they got something from God and they were so excited about it. And they tell you and you just go, huh, huh. Anybody ever been like that? Hey, when somebody comes up to you and they've got, they're excited. Hey, don't, don't take, don't take a fire hose and put their fire out and be a joy sucker. Be excited with them. Rejoice with them. As long as it's not outside the Bible, you know, as long as it's not in violation of the Word of God, rejoice with them. Don't suck the joy out of them. Rejoice with them, you see. So let's, don't let any circumstance or person or people suck the joy out of us and let's don't suck the joy out of anybody else. What do you say? So we've got to do some things to maintain the fruit of the Spirit, because if we don't, the devil, the affairs of life, people, remember the devil uses people, doesn't he? And they'll come and they will just flat circumstances and people will just can just drain that, that juice right out of you. So let's keep the fruit of the Spirit cultivated. Let's stay in the Word of God. Let's keep, our, the, isn't the Bible likened unto water? Is it not? Isn't it? Like it under spiritual water. It's spiritual food. So stay in the word of God. And, and, and feed yourselves with that, with that word. Keep yourself clean with that word. Keep that, that fruit cultivated. Let it grow. And I uh, tell you what. We'll overcome the works of the flesh. Now let's talk about peace. John fourteen twenty seven. Just a few things here about peace. Jesus said, our Lord and Master, our Savior, said, peace... I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So whose peace are we talking about here anyway? We're talking about Jesus' peace, God's peace. Now remember, it's his. It's not ours, it's his. But isn't he nice? He gives it to us. 
That's what we've been studying about a lot on Wednesday nights. Is just God is nice. He is good. And he gives us stuff even though we don't deserve it. Right? The grace class. Grace, grace. So he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And then I like this next part. Not as the world gives do I give to you. You know how the world gives. They'll give it to you on Monday and take it back on Tuesdays, right? You can't find the peace of God in any... You can't find it in in the world. You can only find temporary peace in the world. Temporary. You can't find this peace of God in relationships. You can't find it in your bank account, no matter how much money's in there. You can't find it in your house, no matter how big and beautiful it is. You can't find it in clothes or cars or... You can't find it in... You can't... Did you know you can't find the peace of God in doctor's reports? Certainly not in bad doctor's reports, but... You can't even find this peace in a good doctor's report. What are you talking about, Pastor Terry? Well, there's we bet Diane and I. We've had tests run on us over the years, and it all comes back good and wonderful, and we we rejoice, you know, that the report is good and wonderful. But then the report also says we, you know, we cannot conclude conclusively. Does that make sense? Conclude conclusively that this test can catch everything that might be wrong with you. Did you get what I just said? So even if you get a good report, have you ever, do you know what I'm talking about? You get a good report, but then it says this test, as good as it is, may not catch every, every, every kind of cancer. So you can only get a certain kind of peace from even a good doctor's report. Oh, there's nothing like the peace of God. And that's what we're talking about here. This kind of peace, you can have it even when the doctor tells you that you've got six months to live. Did you hear me? You know, we've got to remember who we're, who we're dealing with. We're dealing with God. And there was a man... Did you know there's a man in the Bible... That even God himself put a death sentence on him, told him he was going to die, and the man repented. Anybody remember who that was? It was King Hezekiah. And he sent, God sent the prophet Isaiah over to him and said, set your, set your house in order. You're going to die. And Hezekiah repented, didn't he? And before Isaiah got out of the courtyard, God sent him back and said, tell him I'm giving him 15 more years. So if a death sentence, if God can, I mean, how many of you know a doctor's report can be bad, but if God tells you you're going to die, that's pretty bad, isn't it? And if that can be changed, how much more can a doctor's report be changed? Huh? Huh? Did you ever think about that? But Hezekiah repented. And so... But the point I'm trying to make is, is this kind of peace here, you can have it in the midst of any circumstance of life. It's the peace of God. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Underline those two words, let and let, in there. 
We're going to come back here in just a moment and talk about how important those two words are. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, now hold on to that. We'll come right back. But I want to say a couple other things before we talk about that. Did you know that over and over again in the, in the Bible, God is called the God of peace and the author of peace? And did you know that Jesus is the prince of peace? And it's interesting that Jesus kept saying peace to his disciples. Peace, peace, peace. Look at John 20. Let's read a few verses here. John 20, verse 19. This is after Jesus was raised from the dead. John 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be, what did he say? Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, what did he say again? Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then look at verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, what did he say? Peace, peace to you. Now, why did Jesus keep saying peace? Why did he keep doing, why did he keep saying, I mean, why, why, why did he keep saying that? I'll tell you why, because peace is so easy to lose. And you see it in the New Testament epistles. Paul and the other New Testament writers, the Holy Spirit through them, speaking to the church, speaking to you and me, saying peace to you, peace to you. Why? Why? Why does he keep saying it over and over again? Because peace is so easy to lose. Has any of you ever experienced that besides me? How easy it is to lose peace? Did you know, listen to this, some good statements here. Salvation is not easy to lose. It's almost impossible to lose. But peace is very easy to lose. Now I want that to sink in for a minute. Salvation... And some argue that it's impossible to lose salvation. As I've studied the word of God, it is possible. It's almost impossible, but it is possible if somebody that's a believer in the Lord rejects him, outright rejects him and walks away from him. Now that person can always get back to the Lord. Don't misunderstand me. But if a person just rejects Jesus, renounces him and walks away from him, then, then they can lose their salvation. But it's very difficult to do. Salvation is almost impossible to lose. But peace, on the other hand, is very easy to lose. Have any of you ever lost your peace that quick? I mean, did you know you're, you, you can be one phone call away from losing your peace? Huh? And not even a phone call. You can be one, how about this, one little ache in the wrong spot. Huh? Huh? And that peace can just fly, fly up, leave you just like a bird flying up off a fence post. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You could lose your peace just that quick. Almost impossible to lose salvation, but peace can leave you just that fast. Whose peace is it anyway? It's God's peace. He's given it to us. Jesus' peace. He is God. He's given it to us. But we can lose it just that quick. 
Now, you know, I need to hear this message as much as anyone. When an alarming report comes, I tend to lose my peace very easily. And I've been working on it. I'm better than I used to be, but I'm still not where I need to be. Let's think about this. Have you ever seen somebody lose their tempers very easily? Huh? Yes or no? Some people, it don't take much. It doesn't take much. And they lose their temper. Start kicking things and beating things. And Now you see... Now, I don't have a a, a real problem in the area of losing my temper. It It takes just a whole lot to get me to lose my temper. It takes a lot. But I can lose my peace very easily. Have you ever seen somebody, they lose their temper just that quick? Very easy to lose peace. Some people, see, we all struggle in different areas, don't we? And, and some people, see, see, I don't lose my temper very easily, but I can lose my peace very easily. Now, I, I'm thinking about uh, some people I've met over the years, one, one in, in particular. And uh, now this particular individual, uh, grown, grown, grown man, how many has ever seen a, now, and several now I'm thinking about, but one in particular. Now, have you ever seen a little kid lose their temper? Huh? Not her five, six, seven years old? Have you ever seen a little kid lose at a, lose at a sporting event or lose at a game or something? And they'll slam the board down. They'll start kicking things, crying, scream going on. I'm not going to play with you anymore. They'll, have, you, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen a fifty-year-old a, a, a man do that? Sixty-year-old man, seventy. I, absolutely. Uh, leader of a, a large uh, Christian organization, lose at a sporting event and just take it out on the on the, on the bench. Huh? Losing temper very quickly. But this one individual, now here's the, here's the difference, here's the thing. Now, lose at a sporting event will just take the golf club or the, or the racket or whatever it is and just beat, just, you know, just, just that kind of stuff. Quit. Lose the temper very quick. But you put that same person on a, on a jet airplane and tell them there's severe turbulence ahead. They're going to they're gonna just pull ter- their blanket over them, turn on their side, and snore and go back to sleep. Snore. See, they don't have a problem in the area of peace. They have a problem in the area of temper. Whereas, on the other hand, let me pick on myself a little bit. I can lose at golf or tennis or whatever. No, I don't like it. But I'm not going to beat my tennis racket to shreds. And I'm not going to break my golf clubs up. I don't like to lose, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw a fit and a temper fit. But you put me on an airplane and say there's severe turbulence up ahead. 
I'm not going to pull my blanket up over my head and go to sleep and snore. See, because I have a problem in the area of losing my peace, but I don't have a problem in the area of losing my temper. Whereas this fellow I'm telling you about, he doesn't have a problem. He, he has a problem in the area of te- losing his temper, but not losing his peace. But we oughtn't to lose either one, is that right? Why am I saying this? Because peace is so easy to lose. Now, how do you maintain God's peace and keep it, not lose it? Well, let me show you. Go to 2 Peter 1, verse 2. How do you keep the peace of God? How do you do it? Don't you like when I put the how-tos in? Watch this, 2 Peter 1, 2, good, this is a good verse for our Wednesday night Bible study. Did I mention to you how good that's been going? Man, we've been having a great time. Grace, there it is, grace and what? Peace. And peace be multiplied to you, how? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So, how do you maintain and keep the peace of God? By knowing God and learning more about Him. Thus, you're going to have to spend time in His Word. Right? And the Word is like food. It's like water. And it'll nourish us and build us up in peace. So we have to find out more about God. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Here's another one. How you can keep your peace and not lose it. Romans 8, 6. Romans 8, 6. Romans 8, verse 6. says, For to be carnally minded is death. What does that mean? Carnally minded. Fleshly minded. Worldly minded. Meditating on the things of the world. You know what I'm talking about? The things of the world. Spending too much time watching television. Did you know watching too much television can take your peace away from you? Particularly if you're watching CNN or Fox or or MSNBC or any any of those cables. Conservative or liberal, either one. Take your peace right away from you. If you watch too much of it, feed yourself on that stuff. Right? But you feed yourself on the Word of God and be spiritually minded. Notice, for to be carnally minded, see what you think on is a big deal in this peace thing. To be carnally minded is what? Is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and what? And peace. So we're going to have to be spiritually minded. We're going to have to think on the things of the Word of God. We're going to have to think on the Bible, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. You just can't get away from this Bible, can you? If you want to have a, have a good life. Spiritually minded. Think on what, what God has to say about the situation. Think on His Word. And then here's another one. Isaiah, boy, a lot of this has to do with the mind, doesn't it? 
Isaiah 26, 3. How do you keep your peace? How do you, how do, you do it? Notice Isaiah 26, 3. You, God, will keep him in what? In what? In perfect peace. Well, I'd like to have that. All the time. And we can have it all the time. If we'll do what? Whose mind is stayed on God. So if you want to have perfect peace and you, you want to have it all the time, even when the bad report comes, even when the turbulence is, is ahead, anytime, you're going to have to fix your mind and stay your mind on God and His Word. Is that right? And there's no other way to do it, guys, gals. There's no other way. There's no other way to have the peace of God and to keep it other than you've got to know God and learn more about Him. You have to be spiritually minded. You have to fix your mind and keep it, stay it. That word stay, it has to stay. Have you ever, you know, you, you have peace one second and then, and then you, you, you look at the Word of God and you got the peace, but then you look over here at the circumstance or whatever and that peace leaves you. Has that ever happened to anybody but me? And you come right back to the Word of God and that peace comes back and then you get, you get distracted and you look over here at this problem or that problem and then, and then, and then, and then that peace is gone. I've already had the peace leave me to the point where, I mean, it's in your heart, but it's not manifesting to the point where you just, you're just almost shaken. Has anybody ever experienced that besides me? You're going to lose your job. You're not going to, you know, how are you going to make ends meet? How are you going to pay the house payment? They're going to come take the house, take the car, take this, take that, whatever. But you have to... And this is easier said than done, but it must be done. You have to do what with your mind? You have to fix it on the Word and stay it there. Keep it there, you see. Can, can you say amen? amen? If you want this peace, you're going to have to do it. Now, remember earlier when I asked you to underline those two words, let, let. So let's get back to that. Listen to me. It is up. Now, this is so vital as I'm going to begin to close here. It is so vital... If you want this peace of God and you want to keep it and have it to the full, it is up to us to yield to it. It's up to us. It's not up to God. He's given it to us. Jesus said, my peace I, I give you. We read that earlier. We're going to read it again. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then... Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, this peace has been given to us, but it's up to us whether or not we're going to yield to it. We have to yield to the peace. By not letting our heart be troubled, by not letting it be afraid. Did you get that? You've got to yield to the peace of God. In any situation that you come up on, it's that negative reports come, negative things happening. When those things happen, now listen, that peace, now look, that peace is not going to just manifest automatically. You're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to let the circumstance and the situation dictate what's going on? Or are you going to let the peace of God rule in your, in your heart? Which one are you going to... Give access to. 
the fear and all of that are the peace of God. Let's read this in the Amplified, uh, John 14, 27, in the Amplified Classic. And uh, it's, it's, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But then let's get this next part because the Amplified Bible kind of amplifies. Here's what he says. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. See, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a choice you have to make. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. So when, did you get that? I ought to read that again. Stop allowing yourself. See, it's up to you. It's up to me. When the bad report comes, bad things going on, what are we going to do? Are we going to yield to the peace of God or are we going to yield to the... To the fear and that, that sort of thing. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Now who's talking here? Is Jesus talking? And the Amplified Bible amplifies out what he's really saying like from the Greek text, the original text. This is really what he's saying. He's saying stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Now friends, this is easier said than done. But it's doable because if it wasn't, Jesus wouldn't tell us to do it. I'll tell you right now, it's a whole lot easier to stand up here and, and preach, preach to you. But what am I going to do when I leave this pulpit and a bad report comes, see? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's real easy to talk about what we all ought to do. But what are we going to do when we get out in the battlefield? Did you hear me? What I mean battlefield is just the world. How many of you found out living in the world every day is a battlefield, isn't it? This stuff's easier said than done, but it's doable. Stop allowing ourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Do not permit ourselves to be fear, fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. So do you see that we have to let, we have to, we have to yield to the peace, don't we? Here, look at this one. This is fantastic. Colossians 3.15. It's all fantastic, but look at this. Colossians 3.15. Look at this. Here's that word led again. Colossians 3.15. And what? And what? And what? And, and what? Come on, guys. Help me out. It, it helps me if you'll help me. Come on. And what's that next word? And let. See, it's up to you. It's not up to God. He's already given you his peace. What are you going to do with it? Let. The, you know why that is? Because God won't push himself off on anybody. He's a perfect gentleman. He's, he, he's, he's not going to make you be at rest. He's provided the rest for you, but you have to yield to it. See, he won't push himself off on you. That's why you have to yield to this. To, to this. He's a gentleman. He, here's my peace. But I'm not going to push it off on you. You have to yield to it. So let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And we could read on, but that's the part I want you to get. You have to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And if you don't know, I'll tell you that word rule in the Greek text. It's a word means umpire. Umpire. What does an umpire do? An umpire calls things safe and out. So you see this piece is so important. 
You have to let it rule in your hearts. You have to let it be the umpire. And, and so, so, like when something comes along in your life, at which way should I go? What should I do? Which way, what, what do I do here? You need to look to what? Look to the peace of God. And let the peace of God call something safe or out. This is so vital because you see, the word of God is, is the ultimate thing that we follow. Is that correct? This is what we're led by, his word. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a what? Light unto our path. But you see, there's some things in life that you can't go into the Bible and find like, should I take... Should, well, well, here, let me give you an example. If you're single... Okay, if you're, this is a good example. If you're single... Does the Bible tell you that you should start dating and marry somebody that's saved or somebody that's not saved? That's I mean, you can find that general direction, can't you? You can find that. You should only with saved people, right? Date, marry, so forth. But now, what if you got three saved women here? Or three saved men over here? So in my case, if I was single, what if I had three saved women... I can and, and Betty and Betty Joe, Billy Joe, and Bobby Joe. <laughs> we'll go back to uh, Petticoat Junction. So, so I can't go in the Bible and find out: Do I marry Billy Joe, Betty Joe? It's not going to say, "Thou shalt marry." Is that right? Is that correct? So now, yes, you spend time with each one of them and so forth, but they're all equally lovely and all that. So. You're going to have to let the peace of God call the shot for you. Did you hear me? If you'll yield to that peace, particularly you go 20 years down the road and you find out you, you picked, well, it was Steve Elliott. He was that, let's see how well you know Petticoat Junction. He was a pilot and it was, let's see, the oldest one was was Billy Joe and then Betty Joe and then Bobby Joe and he married the youngest one. Betty Joe. Well, I got him. Wait a minute. Who was the oldest? Billy, Billy, Betty, and Bobby, right? <laughs> Who was their mother? Do you know? Kate Bradley. And, and what was the uncle? I love him. Uncle who? Uncle Joe, there's Uncle Joe, he's moving kind of slow at the junction. Remember that? How many remember that? I like Uncle Joe, she'd come out and do his, do his he's sitting there on the porch sleeping, and she'd do his uh, suspender strap, wake him up. So anyway, point is, he, he married the youngest one, is that right? Which was? Okay. But the point I'm trying to make is, let God call the shot for you. Let that, you got to yield to him, let the peace of God rule. Because, you see, something can look so good, but you go 20 years down the road and you're miserable. You got the wrong one. Huh? So you have to let the peace of God. That's what I... There were other girls, but, you know, that I was interested in. And if you know our stories, you'd never believe her and I would be together. Absolutely not. But God put us together. And it's been, it's been heaven on earth for almost 30 years now. 
Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Because I let God choose her for me. And frankly, honestly, as beautiful as she is, but I'm not putting her down, but I wouldn't have, but I, I wouldn't have chosen Diane. She had been married before. She had children. I wasn't interested in that. Nothing, not that I'm against any. I just personally, don't look at me like that. No, I mean, just, just, just personally, personally, I wasn't, as a 23-year-old, I mean, I used to go into McDonald's and, I, and, I, and the bill was, you know, a couple of dollars. And now you take a lady and three children in there, it's not a couple of dollars anymore. My whole paycheck, you know. Just, I wasn't interested in that. But God chose her. Heaven on earth. Absolutely. And it's getting better. So let the peace of God what? Rule. Don't you rule. Let the peace of God rule. Rule. That's a pretty strong word. Rule. God's in charge. But but he's not going to push anything off on us. We have to yield to him. And let the peace of God rule where? In your hearts. And then, you know... For this, we could just throw it up there real quick. Isaiah fifty-five twelve is real good. You'll go out with joy and be led out with what? Peace. peace. That's why this peace is so important that we yield to it, because it, it it it'll keep us out of a lot of trouble. Well, I don't want to go too much longer. Let's close in Philippians four. This will be the last one. You getting anything out of this? Philippians four, verses six and seven. Be anxious for nothing. Be. That's like the word let. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I did, did notice too, if, you wanna, if you're taking notes, you might note this, that being thankful is, is very important to peace. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, and, and I found this, and Diane will tell you, it looks so bleak, it looks so bad. But you know what I've learned to do? To be thankful in the midst. Just be thank, to find something to be thankful for. In the midst of that dark situation, find something to be thankful for. And it's amazing how the peace of God will manifest. Did you get what I just said? If you're taking notes, that's a good one to think about. Because I've gotten in many of them over the years, and 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 and, and it just you just want to sit down and just you just want to throw in the towel on something, and then you just start thinking, well, well, my goodness, look at what God has. He, look, He's done this for me, and that for me, and this, and you look at find something to be thankful for. See, I wonder. Let's just. I'd like to read uh, Brandy. Try to throw Philippians four six up there in the Amplified Classic. And I know that wasn't in the notes, but I want to see if we can do that. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Now that's doable, isn't it? Because God told us we could do it. But in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, let your request be made known to God. And then let's go back to verse 7 now in the New King James. And, we'll, and this is it. We'll stop. So be anxious for nothing and all that. And then verse 7, and what's going to happen now? And the what? The what? The peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding. You know this peace of God, you can't figure it out. It's so wonderful. It just, you, have, you ever, you really, have you ever really yielded to the peace of God and there was no reason to be at peace but you had the peace and everybody around you is fretful and going nuts and crazy and just wringing their hands and, and you're just, 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 there's no care or fear about you. You're just in absolute, total, <sighs> perfect peace. People can't figure it out. How could you be so calm in the midst of this situation? It's the peace of God. It surpasses what? All understand. You can't figure it out. And what will it do? Now this, this is a good verse to close on here. Why peace is so important. What will it do? It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You want to yield to the peace of God because it will guard your heart and your mind. That's not talking about your physical blood pump. It's talking about your spirit and your soul, your mind. Okay? All right. Well, if nothing else, you got a lesson on Petticoat Junction. All right, stand with me if you would. Just bow your heads just a moment there if you're here today listen you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior I want to encourage you to do that there is really a heaven above and there really is a hell beneath and the only way to miss hell and make heaven is to receive Jesus as your savior so if you've never done that I want to encourage you to do that today and when I dismiss here in just seconds from now all you got to do is walk up here to the front get with one of these nice people and they'll they'll have a word of prayer with you they'll introduce you to jesus you'll miss hell you'll make heaven and uh, then he'll make life worth living in the meantime if you need something else you know some other prayer request or whatever maybe you just need somebody to talk to that's what these people are up here